G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grollam and I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to our program today. We're coming to you from northwest Sydney, which is a pretty well, average winter day here in Sydney, which is normal for this time of the year. How are you going, Hunty? Good, mate. Great to be here. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Hunty's our techie and our uh, resident uh, radio DJ, we could say, Hunty. <laughs> this, is this the first time you've ever, ever DJed a radio show? Uh, no, but... Where, where have you re- where, where I'm very interested in this because I thought it was. No, so, no I've panelled for... For people back in the eighties and the nineties, where can we go to watch that? I'd love, to, I'd love. He's, he's, he's furiously waving <laughs> his hands. No, I would love to see you back in the eighties and nineties. Tell us more. Where did you do that, Hunty? Oh, or, or are you are you are you reserving the right yeah. not to speak any further <laughs> yeah, on that's this? Right. My Fourth Amendment rights. <laughs> you know, once these once these things are out, they're out. That's it. You know, and, and so, so would it be fair to say that somewhere on the airwaves of the world you still are, or was this before? Things went. Oh, look, thankfully, radio back in my day was radio only and no one recorded anything. Oh, so <laughs> okay. So there you go. I there thought you go. I, I'm, I'm a little bit injured and a little bit wounded. <laughs> I, I thought I was the one who led you into radio, but it's not true. Oh, this is the first time I've spoken on radio. So oh, that's what go. I mean. That's Sorry. what I mean. DJ means speaking, you know, hosting and oh, does doing it? programs. Oh, DJ plays the music in my book. Ah, well, well, but if you're playing the music, you still have to talk in between, don't you, if you're a DJ? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> they, call, they call them panel ops in the radio game, but anyway. Yeah, you know a lot more about it than me. I've never <laughs> been on radio. Let me think. I don't think before this program, I don't think I've ever, ever been in radio. And I love radio. Well, I'm, glad, I'm certainly glad you're here this afternoon. <laughs> you know what? You have a plan, though, if I don't turn up, don't you? What is it? I've got lots and lots of music. So if you if I don't turn up and you get a, ma- a, a major uh, music program on the Aussie Pastor, you know what's going on. Yeah, you'll hear my testimony. I maybe talk to oh, a couple. Okay, okay. I maybe talk to a couple of guests, and there'll be a lot of music. Ah, oh, so so you would share your testimony? Yeah, I have my w- testimony. Would you share um, your testimony with me here one day for our listeners? And we haven't talked about this, by the way, listeners. So I think what I'm saying is, yeah, and by the way, let's start the clock. No, there let's, is no clock. Let's get the clock going. <laughs> Every week I say. <laughs> No one knows that I'm talking. I was listening. To- I always listen to these radio programs again to to find out what I can learn. And here I am You're last right. week, whinging about the <laughs> clock. No one knows what I'm talking about. But we have a little video. Uh, every every segment's got its own te- its own candy. It's on. actually amazing yeah. technology, and it sharpened our program. Right, remember when we first started? We had nothing, Hunty, and we get it. we get the three quarters or the more through the show, and you know what? Bang! We just didn't know where we were, and the show had only, what, we'd only get a little bit done, wouldn't we? Each week we'd well, have huge I've, amounts left. I've subtracted a jibber-jabber, and the clock now says five minutes left. For oh, welcome. well, i better get going, hadn't I? <laughs> That's it. Uh, what happened on this day? 1556, the 13 Stratford martyrs were burned at the stake near London for their Protestant beliefs. There were 11 men, two women, and one of them was pregnant. So I don't think it was 13, it was 14. 20,000 people just outside London turned up to watch these Protestant martyrs burned by the Catholic bishop in uh, London. There were three stakes that the men were tied to, so I guess you're talking of three or four men to a stake, and they left the women, and they were in the middle of the fire just roaming around, and they all died on that day. Great. We might talk about these guys one day with Harold Harker. Fantastic. Uh, 
absolutely inspirational story of people who are faithful to God. And that, that happened on this day, June 27, Amen. 1556, 1787. Edward Gibbon. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, Edward Gibbon? No, I have I not. I think you might have. When oh. I tell you this. Okay. Uh, every historian knows who Edward Gibbon is, and I'm into history. He was a famous historian in the 18th century. 1787, he completed the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. You've heard of that, haven't yep. you? Yep. 1871, the yen was adopted on this day, officially as Japanese currency. On June 27, 1898, the first solo navigation of the world by Joshua Sycom in a boat. <laughs> that means a lot to me because I'm a sailor. He sailed around the whole world, first time it had ever happened, in the history of mankind that we know of. 1950, the United States decided to send troops to the fight in the Korean War on this day. 36,000 Americans died in that war, Hunty. Mm. 180,000 Chinese soldiers died. Mm. Do you think that's the biggest war for America? If you're now, I know you're not into history like I am, which is cool. You're a techie, but if you look at all the wars America's fought—Civil War, World War One, World War Two, Korean Vietnam War, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq—which which war do you reckon they have lost the most in? And it was a half a million men, uh, yeah, five hundred and twenty thousand. No. no, I couldn't even guess. Sorry. Let me go through it. American Civil War. You reckon it was that one? I uh, I have no idea how many they lost there. World War One. Maybe maybe a few hundred thousand. World War Two. Same, a couple hundred thousand maybe. So you'd say the Civil War's a big one? Oh, mate, I just, it was. I'm so poor on this. Half a million people. Wow. Half a million soldiers in the Civil War. Wow. Anyway, they went, uh, um, in 1950, they went into to war. You know that war in, in um, and I know we're running out of time, that's all right, hunty. <laughs> you know that war in Korea, there were four million ca- casualties, two million of them were civilians. Can you believe that? Uh. Four million Crazy. casualties. In 1977, France gives the independence, g- gave independence to Djibouti. Do you know where that is? Have you e- hey, have you ever <laughs> been there? Djibouti, Djibouti? No, I'm not sure. I have not say. been there. In Northern Africa. So no. if you're from Djibouti, do we call them Djiboutians? I don't know. But if you're from Djibouti, and there's sure to be someone out there listening from Djibouti, because we, and we thank God for it. We have a lot of African immigrants to this country, good people. We've got a lot of them in our church, auntie. Mm. If you're from Djibouti, uh, Djibouti, did I say that right, you reckon, mate? Um, yeah, I reckon. <laughs> Happy Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. Hey, some births quickly, 1865, John Monash. He was a, Monash, Monash, after Monash University was named after him. He was an engineer and a general in the First World War. By the end of World War One, he was a, uh, Lead general of the Allied armies. Brilliant, brilliant man. Brilliant engineer. Built the uh, railways in Melbourne. So you get an idea of the sort of guy he was. When he died in 1931, 300,000 people turned up to his funeral. He died this day. Wow. Uh, uh, sorry, he was born this born day. Born this day, in 1865. Yep. Yep. Helen Keller, the blind deaf girl, born 1860. She died in 1880, sorry. She died 1868. 1967, Phil Kearns and John Eels were born. Phil Kearns, 1967. John Eels, 1970. You know who they are, Hunty? Nope. Oh, Hunty. No, sorry. <laughs> They're international rugby players. John Eels, arguably the greatest rugby union captain we've ever had. I'll never forget in 2000. See, I can remember. In the Wellington Test match, he kicked the winning goal. That's when Australia knew how to win rugby. Oh, those days are long <laughs> gone. What about these guys? Uh, Kevin Peterson, born 1980. Dale Dane, born 1983. Have you heard of them? Nope. Uh, you're a sports tragic, mate. Uh-oh. They're great cricketers. Peterson played for England, Stain for South Africa, but they were both South Africans. Their birthday today. Well, I know you know this one, Nico Rosberg, a German. Ah, Actually, yes. German Finnish. Now who, I'm happy. Who's he? 
Uh, Broom Brooms, I like them. Race car driver. Mm-hmm. Formula One. Do you, can you remember who he raced for? Uh, Ferrari. No. Oh. Well, I better be careful there. Main main group. Main, main oh, Mercedes, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mercedes. Mm. Mercedes. Is it Mercedes or Mercedes? I don't know. I reckon if you're a Queenslander, and isn't it a great day to be a Queenslander? It's Mercedes. <laughs> if you're from down here, the loser's It's state. never a great day to be. Mercedes. New South Wales when Queensland wins. Well, you've had a lot of bad days, haven't you? We have. In the last 20 years, you've had a Awful lot of bad days. Let's not talk about that. Uh, deaths, I could only find one. Bud Spencer, Terence Hill, Spaghetti Westerns. He died this day, and I didn't write down when he died, but he died this day somewhere back <laughs> in, in, in history. And, you know, I know we're out of time, Humpy, yes. but yes. I have another word for the day. What's that? <laughs> Here we just go. just got to make sure. Here I we get go. <laughs> Consigliere. Yep, no idea. Do you like that word? Consigliere. I do like it. If it's wrong, if I've said it wrong, ring us up or text us. Don't ring us. Yeah, text us. Text yep. us or yep. email us. How do you do that, Hunter? Yeah, you can text us on 0488880851. Or you can... Or you can email us if you want to. You can email us on theaussiepasta at gmail.com. Consigliere refers to a trusted advisor or counsellor. I'm your consigliere, Hunter. Okay. I'm your trusted advisor. I am your trusted counsellor. <laughs> Originally, a consigliere specifically served the leader of a criminal organisation, <laughs> such as the Mafia. But others likened to such an advisor are now sometimes called consigliere. Hey, Poo. I've got a new favourite word. Yeah? Gruntled. And I'm feeling very gruntled today. That means you're not happy. No, disgruntled is not happy. That Grunt- means you're happy. Gruntled is happy, yeah. Ah, you're very <laughs> gruntled. Well, we're glad you're here. Hunty, can you open with a prayer? Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Definitely, Father. Lord... I pray especially right now for my mate Lloyd as he opens the Bible this afternoon, Lord, that you will be present during this Bible study and that you will bless our listeners. Lord, I really pray that you'll send all of our listeners their heart's desires. Peace. Wrap your loving arms around them and bless them, Lord. Thank you for the opportunities this afternoon to lift you high in the community as we go forward with this Aussie Pastor program. Thanks for hearing our prayer, Lord. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I was waiting to see, Hunty, whether you thought I was going to talk after your prayer or whether I was just going to steamroller right over <laughs> you, regardless. <laughs> after the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's it. You would think after all the time we've spent on radio, and there's a lot of shows now, <laughs> you and me would have it worked out, but we're nope, all over the place. That's right. Random, Beautiful random prayer. Ass. Beautiful prayer, and thank you, Hunty. You know, for our listeners... And those who want to know, Hunty actually prays for a techie who's not into theology and that's, although he is, he prays, you have always prayed beautiful prayers, mate. And I think you've got a bit of a gift for that. I think I've got a problem. I think when I'm praying with my eyes closed, all this technology is running, running off and running amok without me. I think that's because you, when you pray and you're like this, you're just heading straight into the throne room of God. Praise the Lord. Your whole mind uh, turns off the job. And you go and talk to the Lord. I think he's going to look after the radio while you're praying. Nice. This first song nice. at Calvary is a beautiful song. It's it is. a song about Jesus. It's a song about what he did for us on the cross. And I play it a fair bit in this show because the words and the music and the guys who sing it, the Collingsworth family, the whole lot is beautiful. You enjoy it. Years I spend in vanity and pride. Caring not, my Lord was crucified Knowing not it was for me he died On Calvary 
song on a wonderful topic talking about Jesus on Calvary mm-hmm. what he did on the cross when he took our sins and paid the price from thank you Jesus Calvary love that song and it's not the last time you'll hear it on the Aussie pastor live faith FM all over Australia that's right hunty yes. news yeah what's in the news today ah, I found a few things six things Aussies are given up do you want me to run through these six things quickly hunty yes please uh, they're going they're giving up Woolworths and Coles and going to Aldi. Have you done that? Uh, not yet, no. They're not buying meat. How well, about but that? Mind you, I've always gone to Aldi for some of the generic products that I need, like batteries and other things. I wouldn't have a clue where we're shopping because Lizzie does that. Uh-huh. I don't do that. 
They're giving up meat. How about that? Have you given up meat? Uh, well, as a mainly a vegetarian, <laughs> not much of a give up there. Me too. I, I gave up meat 59 years ago. <laughs> They're working three jobs. I'm not sure how that works as giving up something, but this is what this article in news says. They're working three jobs. Uh, yeah, many people have to now just to, to cover their mortgage and expenses. I think you're working about six jobs and getting paid for one. <laughs> They're not going to Europe or overseas anymore on holidays. How about oh, you? Oh, the suffering. I reckon it's been a long time since you or I have... In fact, let me think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last time I went overseas would be four or five years ago when I went to Japan. Nice. Haven't been able to afford... Still paying that one off on the credit card. Uh, They have investment properties but aren't buying any more. Yeah, well, I mean, look what happens when your interest rates... uh, This time last year, people were paying $1,900 a month on their mortgage, average mortgage in Sydney, they're now paying 3200 a month. Shop owners are saying, and these are the six things. I, I don't think it really made sense, this article. But anyway, shop owners are saying everybody's having a whinge. Are you having a whinge? When you go to the shop, are you having a whinge? No, I'm not whinging. I but, am. But there's a lot of shops that aren't getting traffic now, like I'm, hair and makeup, eyebrow waxing. These guys are missing out now. I'm having a whinge. Really? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I go into a shop, if something's gone way, way up, I'm having a whinge. Definitely having a whinge. <laughs> Mostly to you. <laughs> I mean, we. Oh, I don't want to give Subway a hit because they're a great company who provides lunch often for us. Um, and if you're careful, like Hunty and I try to be, you can get a pretty low-calorie Subway meal. That's right. But we were paying, this time last year, we were paying 8 to 10 bucks for a That's Subway right. meal. What are we paying Correct. now? 13, 14. No, 20. 19, 18, 19. Oh, you, you're adding avocado, are you? Well, of course I have to have avocado, man. <laughs> <laughs> no meat, but... Well, that's the whole point. No meat, no savoury. It's a veggie delight with avocado and a drink. The best part of 20 bucks. Oh, I might put a couple of eggs on that, too. Uh, um, yeah, and so they're holding back, expanding their business. So times are tough, hunty. And the bottom line is people are changing their lifestyle to fit into it. What about this one, human, human survivability? Talking about the heat wave in Asia mm-hmm. at the moment, yep. which is up near 110 Fahrenheit. This is India, which is 45. 40, 40 plus, yep, 40 plus Aussie de- degrees. Talking about how it's – we haven't got the clock going, by the way, either, hunty. Talk- <laughs> which clock do you want to see running? Oh, we have oh, got it going. Oh, look at that. He's on. <laughs> oh, Lloyd, Lloyd. Looking at the wrong clock. S- strike five. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think about that? Do you think climate change is causing this? Um, look, I'm not 100% certain about these things, but the science is indicating that climate change is making the place hotter. So yeah. I'm going, I go with the science. I- I'm no raging left-wing liberal, that's for sure. But when you look at what's happening with the world's weather and the deterioration in the last five to ten years, cannot help but wonder whether human-induced... I know that's unpopular, especially among a lot of Christians. That's okay. We need to stand back, open our eyes, unplug our ears and look at the facts. Yep. And there's some pretty damaging stuff happening with the weather at the moment. And there are places in the world with the very survival of the human race. And this is reality. This is fact is at stake. Yep. It's getting too hot. To survive. Yep. And you've got to remember some of these places in India and through Asia aren't always that well-heeled and wealthy, so they don't have air conditioning, and so they're doing it tough. They're doing it tough, yeah. Oh, boy. What about these online hackers, Hunty? Oh, um, now you're talking. Hackers. Where one guy wakes up and his bank account's been drained $15,000 overnight. Hmm. Oh, I kind of want to bring this more personally to home. Number one, I got hacked last week. Yeah, I remember the call. 
I did. I called you. I reckon from calling you, and I called you within what thirty seconds of me realizing mm-hmm. it had happened, and yep. it had just. Yep. Yep. It actually it happened while we were were talking. It yep. actually happened because I was concerned. Yep. Uh, and, and then someone in my household pushed the link. <laughs> yes. Click on the link, which Liz you should Cut. never do. Never <laughs> click on the link. And I'm going, no, no, because I actually rang you for that very reason. Yes. Within 40 seconds, we'd blocked. You reckon that's that'd be fair to say? Within 40 yeah, seconds, no, you we'd were, blocked the credit card. You were right on it, praise the Lord. There's an increase in hackers all over the place, mate. And they're getting smarter. Very sophisticated schemes now. Even Even... If you look at um, yourbank.com, they are changing the letter A to a Cyrillic alphabet. And so you look at the email addressing, oh, yeah, that's my bank, but no, they've changed the letter. Or in your case, it was paypal.com, but they had sent you pay.pal.com. So it's so close to the, the original. The so small, you yep. can barely see it that's with right. my... That's right. It's unbelievable. Hey, can, can I take this further? I'm yes. talking personally, and yes. I know a lot of people have experienced this. Well, 50% of Australians last year... Had some kind of fraud perpetrated on their accounts. How, was that how much? Forty-eight percent of all Australians last year in the last twelve months have had some kind of swindle. Unbelievable. Mm, mm. Can, can I ask you about Facebook for a moment? Sure. Eighty to ninety percent of the Facebook requests on my account are, are now fake. I know that because their new accounts have got yep. nothing on them. Yep, yep, yep. But let me take this even further. Why are people when they're hacking us? Why do they hack first me and my name? So they try to make out their okay. me. All right. And Th- then I've got a second okay. follow-up subsidiary question. Okay. Well, firstly, the, the reason AussiePasta.com keeps appearing, I mean AussiePasta Ministry keeps appearing, is because people are trying to ride on your coattails because you're very popular. 50, I'm not popular. 50-odd thousand supporters. <laughs> and, I'm not popular, and, but yeah. When someone makes say. a clone account, then instantly they'll get followers, and followers are worth money in today's currency because okay. you can start advertising you can you can brand market so um, ha- for hackers to get a following is is good for them to sell advertising space. But number two, they can start testing your followers to see if they'll support you financially. Okay, okay, I get that, I get mm. that. What about this one? This this confuses me even more, and I'm seeing this more and more. People who are taking my picture, yep, and pretending to be somebody else. That's because so they're using my. Now I know. I was going to say I know I'm a, a good a handsome rooster, handsome rooster. But yeah. I know that's actually not true. It, it actually I'm, is. I'm your average 59-year-old Aussie. So, so I'm not a young fella. I'm not a good-looking bloke. I'm just a 59-year-old Aussie. What are they doing? So they're taking, they're taking photos from people like yourself with standing because there is some respect, there is some notoriety with your photograph. And but what, but they they're, not claiming, f- they're not claiming to be me. No, but they put this nice photo of you up there and they think, that looks good. People will think that I'm a legitimate person and they'll click on it. Is this prevalent on on Facebook and other social media platforms? It's, it's incredibly prevalent. You have to always be vigilant for people who have, A, duplicated your account and pretending to be you, or B, trying to hack your account and steal your identity. You have to always be aware. So the reality, if you see me and it's not our official page... That's right. Report it to Facebook. It's not me. Mm-hmm. It's not Hunty. Not us. Be very careful. Yep. Last one, Hunty. We haven't got a lot of time, yep. but I've got to put this one... Apple. Now, you and me are... I wouldn't say we're Apple fans, but... Oh, we, I am. I'm not. Hook, line, and sinker. I love Apple. I find them intuitive and easy to use, and they're for dumb people like me, which is why I use them. In fact, if you don't understand technology, Apple should best bet because... And people argue with me out there, but they're intuitive. They're easy to use. They're well, also uh, very safe and secure. Yeah. 
What about this idea that Apple knows where I am all the time? Is that true? Came out in an article today. Apple, on the well, actually two, three days ago, Apple knows where you are. They have a secret map phone that shows where you've gone, where you've been. Okay, well, there's three parts to this where you're wrong. Firstly, yes. Oh, no, it's not me saying yes, that. It's the, the article. Yes, the phone does know where you are and where you have been, and it does store that information if you give it permission to. Number two, oh, it's I in, did. I did. It's, number two, it's encoded. So Apple employees and Apple can't read it and can't yep. get it. And, and the benefit of this to you is a lot of people have got now um, home Apple appliances or home link or home networks where yep. they can have their garage door open, their air conditioner come on, and as they're driving down the street, the GPS says, oh, we're getting close to home, let's get some things ready. And so it's actually a, a benefit for you, but I've got it turned off on my phone. I have it since it started. Of course you have. Of course, because, you know. Mr. <laughs> Privacy, there is no more private person who's got everything locked up than Mr. Andrew Hunt in the entire world. But there's a reason for that. I mean, look at, look at how many Facebook pages I administer. It's over 100. Hmm. So if I get hacked ever, there's a lot of people who are going to chase after me with baseball bats. The bottom line is be careful. Always be careful. Be careful. Yes. Be careful. Yes. And if they do clone you, so if somebody uses your picture or yeah. something else to set up, yeah. they haven't hacked you. No. They've cloned They've you. They've duplicated your account. There's a significant difference. That's right. We have never had our Facebook hacked. Well, that's because we use two-factor authentication. I yeah, can't, can't stress this more. Always turn on two-factor authentication. I, that means you get a phone call or an SMS every time you try and log on. That's I'm, the best. I'm not going to say we've never been hacked because I don't want to stir people up no. and encourage them. No. Because I'm sure we could be hacked like anybody else. Easily. But what I am saying this, if you've been cloned, relax. It's happening to everybody. You can act upon it in a limited way. You get but your friends to report it for yeah, you. Yeah, just don't get too hassled about it. That's it seems it. to be the way of things. Hey, Hunty, when you see yes. these things happening, yes, and they certainly are end-time things, look up. You're going to see Jesus come real soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, we got Aussie Pastor today, Hunty. Yeah, we do. Uh, and we would love to hear from you. Have we got room? Uh, we were on time yesterday. We have room today for sure. Unlike last week where we rushed through it. So if you've got a question... Any question that you want to ask yes, me. And I'm going to put it out if you want to ask Hunty. So if you want Hunty, you can actually put Hunty. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got it. I don't, guarantee, I don't can, guarantee any good answers. Hey, just like I have to flick it to you sometimes if I don't get it, you can flick it to me. Which between us, we, we're happy. Perfect. So if you want to get Hunty okay, or you good. want to get the Aussie pass, what do you do? Okay, uh, you can get us one of two ways. You can text us on 488 880851. We can just simply email us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. Love this song. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty by Maranatha Singers. It's a song of praise, and I reckon sometimes we need to just step back. There's a lot of troubles in this world. There's a lot of worries. We've just talked about some of them. Sometimes I think we've got to step back, get on our knees, look up, and praise the God and praise God. And that's what this song is all about. Beautiful song. Maranatha Singers, Blessed be the Lord God Almighty. Father in heaven, how we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises. As your people declare your mighty words. Blessed be the Lord God. 
That's one of those songs of praise that we sing at church. Always trying to put a church song in every week so you get an idea. If you were to come to New Hope Church, oh, we'd love you to come to New we Hope would. Church. Where is it, hunty? Oh, um, for Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, behind the alley. Yeah, don't let me forget, i got two announcements to make. Sure. Going to do it in the Bible study time got before it. we start the Bible got it, got study. Uh, on... Faith FM at New Hope. Yep. And where we'll be this coming weekend in Tari. If you're in Tari, just a shout out. Watch out. We'd yep, love to coming. see you. And Hunty will have some details pretty soon we on will. that. This is the story. This is kind of a new section we're doing in our um, radio show where we're trying to find people who have testimonies of coming to Jesus. The reason I've put this in is because there's a lot of you out there listening to this show. You might have just flicked across on your radio station and picked us up right now. Don't turn off. This is the best show on radio in Australia from 3.30 to 5.30 every Tuesday night. Don't turn off. This is a life-changing show. And this is a story of Joel, a Jewish man who grew up, ah, well, I'm going to let you listen. So did you think of it, I thought it was so powerful. Hunty thought it was so powerful, he's got in contact with him. We might even try and yeah, get an interview with this guy. Yeah, live, yeah. All the way from Israel. Go for it, Hunty. So tell me how it all got started. Well, I was born here in Israel, but then because my mother was Moroccan and my dad was Scottish, we ended up moving to England. And in England, that's where my mum wanted us to really focus in on what it meant to be Jewish. Okay. So... Being Jewish for her meant loving the state of Israel. It meant um, celebrating the Sabbath from time to time. It was sort of like a traditional Judaism. Yeah, like mine. Right. Then, as I got older, I began to question whether that traditional Judaism actually made sense. I wanted to find out about God, but I decided that my mom wasn't the sort of source of all wisdom and truth. So I decided to go off and find books for myself. Now. Most people have asked me, okay, so why didn't you just go straight to the Bible, you know, to the Tanakh, yeah. to the Old Testament? And the reality is that I've kind of seen so much. My mom and dad made us watch so much. I know at Passover, she made us watch the Ten Commandments, that yeah. old three and a half hour movie. And because I'd watched that, I thought to myself, well, why read the book if I've already seen the movie? Right. <laughs> so I said, forget that. I'm going to go and focus in on other stuff. So I went and got myself a copy of the Quran, and I got, got myself a copy of the Bhagavad Gita, which is part of Hindu writings, mm -hmm. and I began to read through those two books. Now, I'm about 18 years old at this point, and I've been reading through these two books, and I still haven't found out who God is. And so I decided, at 18 years old, I was actually sitting in my bedroom with the Quran, and the thought, I had this thought, I was like, well, if God's real, I don't need to read through all these books because if he's real, he should be able to just, you know, show up. So there in my room, I took the Quran, I put it down next to me, and I said, God, if you're real, show up. Mm. Now, I was expecting nothing to happen at all. Yeah. But at the end of my bed appears to me the face, the face of Jesus, right? And so I see this face, and inside myself, I think, oh my goodness, that's Jesus. And I start freaking out. I think this couldn't possibly be. Wait, wait, you're, you weren't looking for him. No, no, no. You weren't being told about him. No. That you could maybe see him. Nope. But you knew it was him. I knew it was him. And I freaked out, and I was just like, how can this possibly be true? Wow. How can this be real? And I'll admit that at the time, I may have been, you know, involved with certain substances. Yeah. So I was like, it's the drugs, it's something, it couldn't possibly be real. So I decided that it's all rubbish, I've just hallucinated something, yeah. it, and so I put it away, and I decided to never tell anyone about it. 
Now I leave England at that point after I make when I finish high school and I move to Israel. Now there in Israel, I am uh, go to Ulpan, right? So which is Hebrew school. Okay, so so yeah. it's Ulpan is a school where you learn modern Hebrew. Modern Hebrew, exactly. So I go to learn modern Hebrew, um, and there in my classroom is the most beautiful girl in the world. All right. So Adele, my wife, I met her at my Hebrew class. She was there in my Hebrew class, and as we were falling in love, we start talking about God as well because she comes from a family that was very New Agey. Okay. Right. So every religion and every little philosophy all mixed up into one. Right. That was Adele. Yeah. So we start talking and talking, and eventually we get to the point where we realize all we do is talk, right? All it is is paka paka paka. Okay. But we never actually change anything. I mean, Adele was vegetarian, but there was no there was no real difference in our lives from most of the other people that we knew. And so we like, you know, let's do something with our faith in God. And being Jewish and living here in Israel, we decide let's try Judaism. So we kind of have to discover it as we go. So I'm. Shabbat, we try kosher, we try festivals, and then I realize you don't go to synagogue once a week, you go to synagogue three times a day, and so I start going to synagogue, and eventually we become religious, so religious that living in the beautiful city of Tel Aviv becomes a little too much for us, yeah. and we move to Jerusalem. Wow. And that's when I end up going to the army. Now in the army, I serve in the head rabbinical court. So like the chaplains in America yeah. or in other places, Israel has rabbis, and so we have a rabbinical court. And there in the rabbinical court, um, I meet a bunch of you know sort of orthodox guys. But I go home one day, and Adele has invited this lady, her name's Judy, to come round for tea. So I'm sitting there with Judy, and she tells us something that I didn't expect her to say. She says, "You're well, Adele. Have you ever read the Tanakh for yourselves?" Now we're orthodox Jews. Okay. I've never had somebody ask me if I've read the Bible, and in fact, a lot of people who aren't Jewish will probably look at us and think to us, think to themselves, "Well, of course they've read the Bible. They're orthodox Jews." But the reality is, we've never had. We've never just sat down and read through the Bible for ourselves. The Hebrew scriptures. Right. Yeah. We just, we just sort of like read a bit, and then lots of commentary. Okay. But no, just reading. Which I think is typical. Yes. Right. So we took on the challenge and decided to have a race. Right? Who's going to read through the Bible first? <laughs> I've, I've often told people, if you've never been able to read through the Bible, race somebody, and you'll see how quickly <laughs> you finish the book. Yeah. I um, think I got to try that. Right. So we start racing through, and first thing we discover is there's a difference between um, the Judaism that we read today and and the, Jude- the Judaism that we were living. And the Jewishness of the actual Bible. Okay. Right? There's, there's sort of like different rules. God just seems different. So we start to read through um, more and more and more. And eventually I get to, drum roll, Isaiah 53. Right? <laughs> now, for me, that chapter was just sort of like, it was just annoying. Like I'd read through a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'd read through a lot of Isaiah. Didn't understand anything. But that chapter bothered me. So I went off to Judy to get an explanation. Now, Judy is actually a Jewish believer in Jesus, but had never told me a You didn't know it? No. Wow. Because she was a little afraid to tell us, because, you know, I had this big Orthodox beard. I had, you know, the hair, the head, psycho. Adele was, you know, covered from head to toe. So that was kind of like the way that we were living. And so she was a little afraid of it. Yeah. 
So we decide. So I go to her house and I ask her, what's Isaiah 53? And she's been praying that God would tell her when to tell us about Jesus. So <laughs> he told you instead of her. Right. Directly. So I knock on that door and say, explain Isaiah 53. And for her, it's the sign she's been waiting for. Yeah. So she brings me in, sits me down, and starts to tell me about Jesus. Now I'm sitting there going, Oi, vain, you know, I can't possibly believe this. Yeah. Because while my connection to Judaism has changed, uh, my connection to my identity hasn't. Right. And Jesus and Jewish, no. Right. But as she's speaking, I realize, oh, I ask myself, why am I saying no? Because I've read through the Quran, I've read through the Gita, I've lived an Orthodox life, I've lived a secular life. Like, why am I saying no specifically to this? And I realize it's just because my mom told me. And I think to myself, well, that's not a good enough reason. Yep. So there in that room, a little frustrated and fighting with myself, I turned to God and I said, okay, I'm sick and tired of this. Just show me the truth. And the moment that I prayed that prayer, I had that same picture of the face of Jesus mm. appeared before me wow. as it had when I was 18. And I knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus was real. Wow. So then... I've got to go, I've got to go home to Adele, right? So I thank Judy, I prayed this prayer with her, but I now need to go and tell my beautiful wife yeah. that he's the Messiah, how right. do I do that, right? right? So I start walking home. And about halfway home, I realize, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. You know, I sort of have this freak out moment, I've got to have a plan, I've got to have a way of saying it. Yeah. And so I walk into the house, and this was my plan. I burst into the bedroom where Adele was sitting reading. And I said, sweetheart, something terrible has happened. Jesus is the Messiah. And she looks up to me, and I think she's going to scream, shout, something. She looks up to me and she goes, oh, okay. And I was like, what do you mean, okay? Like, I wanted like a reaction, something. But she's just like, look, calm down. We'll get a book. And I'm, I, I wanted to have this whole conversation with her. She didn't want to like get into it. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go get a book. Now, you may be asking yourself at this moment, where does an Orthodox Jew serving in the head rabbinical corps of the Israeli army go to get himself a book about Jesus, the New Testament, right? Well, lo and behold, in my base, we had the book. We had the New Testament. Because soldiers swearing into the military yeah. have to hold the Bible, right? So all the Jewish soldiers hold the, the Tanakh. And the right. Christian soldiers, of which there are wow. some, okay, I get, it. get a New Testament. Wow! So I stole a New Testament from the rabbinical corps of the Israeli army to give to Adele. Right. So I steal it, give it to her, she starts reading. So about a week later, um, I come home from the base, and there is Adele sitting in our living room, having just finished the book of Matthew. And she has tears in her eyes. So I go in and I say, sweetheart, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Right? She's in tears. And she looks up to me and says something that I'll never forget. She said, he was such a good man. Why has no one ever told us this story before? And I realized that there we were in Jerusalem where Jesus walked and talked and lived and died and rose. We lived there and no one had heard the story. And at that moment, I kind of freaked out and I realized I've got to tell people. That's right. Because, and this is the key, it's not a, it's not a philosophy. Yeah. It's not just a cool thing to be part of. Jesus is actually real and that actually makes a difference to everything. So that's how it happened. Wow. Fantastic story. Absolutely. I thought we were going to have a sting. Oh, no. I thought we were going to talk about it. <laughs> no, sting. Oh, okay. 
Too bad. We'll talk about it now. Oh. <laughs> I'll find Sting. <laughs> You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. We were going to have a sting we were, and then we were going bad. to talk about it. One to me. <laughs> oh, fantastic. One all. That's one all. Yep. Strike one, strike. Hey, 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 why did you like that video, Hunty? Because I know you liked it. It grabbed me from the get-go for a number of reasons. He, he, cause as you, you know, I've been to Jerusalem, right? We've wandered yeah. around in the Bible lands. Yeah. Everywhere Jesus stopped to preach or stopped to perform a miracle, there's now a church. It's so well monumented and commemorated that Jesus was real and was alive and was there. And... And he, this this man he 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 grows he grows up in Jerusalem, but his his parents and his parents' parents have all said Jesus didn't exist, wasn't real, and so he just believed them. But then when he opened his eyes, he could see all around him was Jesus. That is amazing. And the effects of Jesus, yeah, I found it amazing. Actually, what's yeah. amazing is that that I like this particular website, and I like the all, all the fantastic testimonies on it. Yep, it's called One Israel. Yep, and the reason I like it is because. And I, I mean this in no disrespect. That's just how it is. Basically, Judaism and a lot of Jews, Israelis, are very anti-Jesus Christ. And yet he is theirs. Jesus is a Jew. He comes from Judaism. He is a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He belongs, Jesus, he belongs to the human race, but he belongs, as Paul said, to them first. And that there are so many Jews who are hostile to Jesus. When you see them coming to Jesus, it just fills my heart with joy. <sighs> mm, me too, mate. It really does. It's emotional. Yeah. Listen to that sort of story. Yeah. Uh, and I hope and pray if you haven't met Jesus that you have a testimony like that one day. And when you get it, ring me up and I'll put you on too. Uh, this fantastic soul song, The Heart of Worship from Matt, Matt Redman. It, one of the beautiful things about following Jesus is you can worship him. And when you worship him, it truly completes you. Mm. Uh, this is a beautiful song, mm. Heart of Worship. <laughs> away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself it's not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus.
what you have required You're such much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus Always will be I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm a real fan of Matt Radman Yeah, honey. me too I like all his songs mm. Some of his songs we're singing in church fairly regularly And, and that was a beautiful rend- He's got different uh, What would you call it? Different renditions Yes, different, different styles Different styles Well, of that one song yes. He sings that in a, di- what do you, a different ways What do you call that in the music? I, I would have said style Styles, yeah, mm. different mm. styles yeah. yeah, and that's a good song uh, Beautiful song, actually The Heart of Worship mm. Hey, Bible study, hunty It's Bible study time, yeah uh, b- Because... Because we just had the testimony of a Jewish man who came to a Jewish God, our Saviour Jesus Christ, I thought I would look again at a passage. We've looked at this briefly before. Isaiah chapter 53. Do you know who Isaiah was? Can, um, you, can you remember or not really? You know, he's a prophet. He's an Old Testament prophet. Mm. He lived 800 to 850 years before Jesus. Uh, he's the guy... We we talk about Isaiah a lot on this show. Oh, yeah. He's got some very, very important prophecies. He has. They call him the Messianic prophet. What that means is here's the prophet who talks about Jesus. Now, I'll tell you something. 800 years before Jesus comes, and this guy has some amazing insights from God, from Jesus himself. So it's like Jesus is in heaven, coming to Isaiah and vision, telling him what is going to happen to him while he's on this earth. You know, Jesus' life, by God, Jesus, God, was completely planned out. I just mm. want to re- reiterate, Jesus is God. We're Christians. We believe in one God expressed in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Mm. Three separate entities, persons who make up the one God. We'll talk about that another time. But here you've got Jesus coming to Isaiah and giving him glimpses about what his life will be like, and he's coming to him 800 years before he came down to earth, become a baby. Mm. Amazing, isn't it? It is. This chapter... Isaiah 53 is called the forbidden chapter by the Hebrews, by the Jews, by the Israelis. Do you know why? What's that? They don't read this chapter. Okay. They don't study this chapter. Right. It's not read in synagogue 
Because this chapter, above any other chapter in prophecy, which predicts the future, this chapter identifies Jesus more than any other. You read this chapter, uh, and to you secular Aussies who have stumbled onto this radio station today, hear this and hear it well. This chapter is one of the major reasons I'm a Christian and believe in the supernatural power of God in the Bible. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. So I'm going to have a look at a few things in the six minutes we've got left, Auntie. <laughs> okay, yep. That this chapter says about Jesus. Have you got it? I got it, yeah. Uh, what are you reading from? Uh, Isaiah 53. Two, I think it's NLT, I think. Yes, Hunty and his beautiful NLT. Oh, that's a good version. I want you to read verse 2 to start off with because okay. verse 2 identifies his childhood. Okay. So just read yep. verse 2, then I'll make a couple of comments. All right, I'm going to read it slow because it's for me it's quite complex. Here we go. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. I'm going to do something really hard now and make sure. your brain think. Yes. <laughs> and here he is, our techie, and I'm really going to make you no, think. Go for it. Replace the word he and him with Jesus. Okay, sure. It's so like let's that. go back to yeah. Isaiah 53 verse 2, okay. replacing the word he and him with Jesus, oh, okay, which we can we do. All right. Jesus grew up before Jesus like no, a no, tender no, shoot. Sorry, sorry, except for the oh. <laughs> Jesus grew up before God. Yes, sorry. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just, right. just in that one place. So Jesus grew up before God like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Jesus had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in Jesus' appearance that we should desire him. Desire Jesus. Desire Jesus. That's sorry. beautiful. Yeah. This is talking about Jesus the kid. He grows up in an ordinary home, grows up in a poor home, hunty. Yes. There's nothing about Jesus' home mm. that is superstar. No. You're not going to walk past his place and look at and go, wow, that's where the King of Kings lives. Yep. You're not going to see Jesus walking down the street in bare feet as a kid and go, wow, there's the King of Kings. His father was, do you know what his father used to do for a living? Yeah, he's a carpenter. Mm. Just a humble, that was a humble job back then. So he's a humble carpenter. His mother, do you know what she did? Uh, seamstress. Homemaker. Oh, homemaker. I like that. You've been watching The Chosen, haven't you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she was... Uh, where did you get that from? <laughs> oh, wow. Don't answer that for free. <laughs> uh, no, no, look, look. His mum was a homemaker. How many brothers and sisters he had? Maybe 10 or 12. We don't know. A big family. Uh, they lived in three different places. Do you know where they were? Uh, I had to think no. about... I had to no, think tell about, us. Tell us. Well, the first place is where he was born, Bethlehem, yeah, Bethlehem and he never yeah. stayed there long because Herod came That's after right. him. And yep. got, Herod got wind of a prophecy about a baby boy born in Nazareth who was going to grow up to be the king of kings. Yes. So he comes after him while he's still just an infant baby. So an angel, Gabriel, head angel of heaven, comes and warns Joseph, hey, get out of here and go to Egypt. Um, Egypt, oh. Yeah. Right. So he goes and lives in Egypt. I don't know until how old. I'm not sure. Bible doesn't make that entirely clear. So he lives in Egypt for a while, and then he moves to... Nazareth. Yeah, yes. which is his hometown. Yep. Now, now you could say, oh, Bethlehem's his hometown, but he grew up in Nazareth, so Nazareth was his hometown. That's why he's called a Nazarene. It's a bit like me, Hunty. I'm a Queenslander. I grew up in Queensland, but... What is my hometown? If you were look born at it, in Barrow, uh, New South Wales. No, I wasn't born in Barrow. Oh, thank you very much. you were. Much. No. Oh. <laughs> Barrow. Who were you born? John Bradman was born Where in Barrow. Were you born? Not me, mate. I'm not saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a Queensland boy, but what is my hometown? Sydney. Yeah. Mm. 
Sydney's my hometown. Mm. Well, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but uh, Nazareth is his hometown. So he's born into an what more than an average house. He was poor. They were dirt poor, hunty. Wow. So when you look at Jesus as a kid, you weren't go- you wouldn't have recognised the Messiah. You wouldn't have recognised him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But man, he must have been a beautiful kid. Mm. This is God in yeah. human form. Yeah. Jesus never sinned. Have you ever stopped to think about that as a kid? Yeah, never. I've always thought of that. I've thought about it heaps. How did that happen? Oh, mm. look, I don't know. Mm. But what a joy he must have been to his parents. Mm. Um, so there's your first prophecy. I'm only going to do two today. Now I'm going to keep doing this next week because I love sure. We've got to keep going on this passage of Scripture. Sure. Let's just do, because we're running out of time, always run out of time. Oh, I can shrink up the next segment if you want. No, it's all right. Okay. I, I like to stay. You, you've, made, you, you've made me a little bit finicky with time now. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Verses 3 through to 5. Okay. Right. Now, now it starts to hit to the heart of the matter. Now, remember, this is written 800 years before Jesus came to earth. I'm going to replace he with Jesus again. Just, no, read no, it as the Bible as it says. Is. Okay. We might go back. Let's see how we go. Okay. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Okay, stop. I, I think we've got to stop after okay. that. He was despised yep. and he was rejected. Yep. Now, a couple of years ago, 2019, <sighs> I want to go back to Israel. Mm. If you're a multi-billion, billionaire, millionaire out there and you want to support the Aussie pastor, <laughs> yeah. send, send us some send, money. Send us back to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> we could do so much if we had some money. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, but I'm serious there. Uh, when we're in Israel... What's the reputation of Jesus? Well, he was in low esteem, it says here. But what is it now? So 2,000 years well, later. Well, it's, it's mixed, isn't it? Because there's... Um, well, no, it's not mixed. It's pretty much universal. Oh. He's despised. Still today. Right. He's rejected. People hide their faces from him. And he's despised. Said it again, despised. That's 2,000 years later, hunty. What was it like in his days? Now, you're a big student of the Gospels, Matthew. Mm. If you want to know the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. What sort of reaction generally did Jesus get from the people when mm. he lived on this earth? It was hostile. was hostile. Mm. And it makes no sense. Imagine if I started healing people of cancer, if I started healing the blind, paraplegics and quadriplegics, I healed them and they ro- and I started to raise people from the dead. What mm. sort of impact, what sort of reaction would I get from people? Well, in Australia, he'd be a hero. In the world? A hero everywhere. I'd be the biggest tourist attraction in Australia because That's people it. would be coming from all over the world to get healed of these terrible maladies. Yes. Here's Jesus, the saviour of the world, comes down to earth, and what sort of reception does he get? Well, it's hostile. Terrible. It's hostile, and it's still hostile. And before we go too hard on the Jews and the Israelis, mm-hmm. could I put it to you that even here in Australia, and if you're listening to this radio program, ask yourself, what, how do I see Jesus? Well, I cleaned up your Facebook page so I can tell you things you post receive a hostile um, welcome often. Many Aussies are hostile to Jesus. Many in the West are hostile to Jesus. There's something about Jesus that leaves you with no option. You're either for him or you're against him. You're hostile or like you have, Hunty, like I do, and I do, I am. You fall deeply in love with him. Mm. And if you're hostile, I want to end on this. Actually, I better end on something positive. Yep. But if you're hostile, ask yourself why. 
If you love him, you know why. This 800-year-old forbidden prophecy, we're going to continue it next week. Unbelievable. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. We went a little bit over time, Hunty, but it's worth it when you're talking about Jesus, yeah, isn't it? Sure. Hey, you know, a special power comes into this studio when we're talking about Jesus. Amen. Jesus. I feel it. The saviour of the world, the Messiah, our creator, who comes down here and forgives a couple of degenerates like you and me. Hmm. Men who have walked the dark, I'll talk for myself now. Yeah, me too. Walked the dark dark, The dark path. side. Mm. Yeah. Trodden in the valley. Mm. We know what sin is like. We've experienced the ravages of sin. God, Jesus, still calls us from it, yet we know the power and the gentle love and the healing that Jesus can give. And, and his patience, hunty, with us. It's stunning, isn't it? Mm. So patient with us. And if we can have that experience, so can you. Ah, looking forward to going and have a look at that uh, forbidden prophecy, that mm. forbidden chapter yeah. next week. This song is by an Adventist group in Africa from Zimbabwe. Up hang on, hang on, hang on. I forgot the wrong song. I heard, I, I was going to play that song, but I realised I'd made a mistake on the run oh. sheet. So I just um, I just nipped back up to "It'll Be Worth It All" by Ian Dowling. Is that is, now? Is that going to be a strike against me or you or both um, of us? Well, I'll take it because it's delicious and tasty. So it's my fault. <laughs> well, I saved you. There you go. So it's not a strike if you get saved. So when did you change it? Just then? No, I didn't change it. It's always been on the run sheet that way. Uh, no, that's my fault. Ah, there strike you go then. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> Now, I'm, I'm the problem today. <laughs> Two to one. Ah, uh, the show's only half over. Who knows? Who knows where I've we'll got, go before this is finished. I've got a chance to put both my feet in yet. It'll be worth it all by Ann Dowling. Yeah. Uh, she's a Gaither singer from the United States. In the middle of this, you've got three short testimonies from Guy Penrod and a couple of others who are big Gaither people. Um, why'd I choose this song? Because there's a lot of reasons not to follow Jesus. There's a lot of reasons to be hostile, but when you meet him, and you know, Hunty, it's always a big cost to follow the Lord Jesus. You know that, don't you? I do. It doesn't come cheaply. But when you, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Let's don't have the song. I'm no, no, talking no, no, too no. much. No, I'm going to start it again. My fingers hovering over my fingers. My fingers hovering over a bunch of buttons, and I accidentally got excited and tweaked. It. I, I thought, "Hello, I'm talking too much." Hunty's moving no, me on. No. Welcome to the vagrants. How's that for a word of live radio? Sure, I've used that word wrong. Anyway, let, yeah. Let, look, when uh, all I'm trying to say, Hunty, yes. is despite the cost, one day Jesus is going to come, and we're going to see him face to face. It will be worth it all.
The hope that reminds me that this world is not my home, though it is my assignment. And while I am waiting to go there, I'm trying to get some of there here. You know, I've heard it said that we're human beings having a spiritual experience. But I submit to you that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Our Lord's victory over death and the promise of heaven is a foundational pillar in the indestructible temple of our faith. talking in the middle of that song sorry hunty that's okay yeah. i was, I was going to start this next segment it, it yeah that's that's because i've got mm. myself all mucked no, up. that's all right all good it's um now time for ask the aussie pastor one of my favorite segments let me give it a quick plug it's only got... one of your favorite because you think somewhere <laughs> somehow i'm going to get stuck <laughs> <laughs> well there's, there's bonuses um okay so if you ever want to send us a question and we'd love to hear from you you can text them to us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail dot com. All right, let's get into our first question. So, hmm. uh, Lloyd, you're always talking about the Protestant Reformation. Are you anti-Catholic? No, I can't because most of my family are Catholic. Right, I'm not anti my family. Uh, I'm pro-Protestant. Can you see the difference? Let's be yes, positive. Yes, I'm very I'm pro-Protestant. Very Protestant too. And the reason I'm pro-Protestant, in fact, if, if, if I were to describe myself, I'm a Protestant Christian, yes. Seventh-day Adventist. I'm the same. Some people would say a Christian Protestant, but I want to really define the type of Christian I am. I'm a Protestant mm. protester. What am I a Protestant for? Because I believe that Jesus saves and Jesus alone, and there's a full stop after that. Yep. Nothing comes after that. When I'm talking about how I'm saved, listen to what I'm saying. Yes, I'm a Protestant. I, I'm a Protestant Christian Seventh Day Adventist in that order. So, what are we protesting? We are protesting. Oh, look, the I, way you're I, saved. I, yeah, th- there's a contest in Christianity on how you're saved. Some people will say it's through the sacraments and the ordinances. And, and what are the sacraments? Ah. Oh, I don't want to go into it today, to be okay. honest. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. But, but there's a whole heap of them. Yep. Uh, you're not saved by the sacraments and the ordinances. You're saved by faith in Jesus and Jesus yeah. alone. I think for me, it's, it's, I'm not saved by any works that I can do. That's right. I'm only saved because um, of Jesus' grace. Very, very good mm. answer, all right. all righty. Next question. Uh, does your church disfellowship and discipline members? Oh, 
Um, very rarely. Some people would say we should do it more. I can't remember in 33 years disfellowshipping, which means putting out of the church anyone. Usually if people leave my church, my movement, Adventism, they just leave themselves. You'd have to do some, something fairly serious um, to, to experience that. So yeah, every Christian church will disfellowship at times people from their midst, but it's only for very serious things and crimes that would probably end you up in jail anyway, Hunty. Okay. Yeah. As I say, most people who leave, not just my my tribe, Adventism, but Protestant Christian denomination movements, they do it just of their own free will. Mm. Yeah. All right. We've got three minutes left on this segment. Let's go. Should Christians get involved in political debates? Uh, we've had that sort of question before. Might, we have. Mm. Yeah, why not? Long as long as you don't bring dishonour to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have some of the greatest politicians in the world uh, were Christians. I think of Wilberforce, who led England to free the slaves. I think of Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln in the United States of America, again instrumental in freeing the slaves. So yeah, if you, yep. nothing wrong with a Christian being in politics, long as long as they're polite, long as they're respectful, and they give people room to agree or not to agree with them. I think one of the problems with politics today is the spite and the hostility, and you see that no more than in the United States where Republicans and Democrats at times threaten civil war against each other. Mm. And it's not good. So yeah, if you're a Christian and you're into, oh look, I know that the the Adventist prime minister, the, the prime minister of Papua New Guinea is an Adventist Christian mm-hmm. from my tribe. The prime minister of the Solomon Islands is an Adventist Christian from my tribe. We ought to actually try and interview him. That would be interesting, Hunty. Would be, and I think we possibly could get him too. That would be very interesting. Let's have a go at that. So yeah, you can. No worries. Just remember that your first allegiance is to Christ, and you cannot dishonor Him even in politics. All right, Uh, next question. Why do you think Aussies are leaving Christianity and the church? Ah, because they don't know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you're not leaving Christianity, you're not leaving him, and you're not leaving the church. If you you do know Jesus, you're not doing that. If if you don't know Jesus, you are. Does that make sense? It does. It is as simple and brutal as that. And the reason people leave is because there are some disciplines in knowing Jesus. A daily Bible study, daily prayer. They're disciplines that put you in the presence of Jesus. I say this all the time on this show. Go to church every Sabbath. Why? It's a discipline that puts you in the presence of Jesus and other believers who are going through what you do. So they're leaving because they somehow get distanced from Jesus. And that's, it's like lions when they're hunting, you know, the old evil one, the devil. He, he'll hunt Christians <laughs> and he'll, he'll get them and he'll move them out of the flock. And once he gets them out by themselves, bang. Uh, yeah, so, so that's really the reason not, not spending enough time with Jesus to secure you. Yourself. All right, this next question, I don't even know if I should ask it, but yeah. I don't know how you feel about this. Anyway, it says, yep. I notice you are overweight. Isn't that a sign that you have no discipline? Uh, and is that Christian? <laughs> are they talking to you or me? <laughs> well, <laughs> so, it's asked the Aussie pastor. <laughs> Read it again. Okay, so the question... I, I'm, I'm laughing at my own joke says, here. It wasn't that funny. So that, 
Um, I notice you're overweight. Isn't that a sign that you have no discipline? And is that Christian? Well, it is a sign that I need to get a little more discipline. <laughs> but in my defence, I have lost 20 kilos since March. Yeah, well done. But you need to be, whoever wrote that, I'd encourage you to be pretty careful about the way you throw those sorts of accusations around because mm. there's a lot of reasons why people are fat. That's it. Some people are fat because, like me, they've eaten too much and been undisciplined. But other people have problems with their DNA. Thyroid and... With their All DNA, kinds of stuff. with sicknesses, yep. with diseases. There's yep. a whole heap of reasons. So so I would reject that. Yes, I would say no, just because someone's fat does not mean that they are not followers of Jesus. In fact, or unbelievers. I think that's an awful thing to say, to be honest, Hunty. Can I yeah, say that? I agree. I, I, I see. Agree. It doesn't bother me because I'm, I'm very secure in my own self, what I look like. I'm, I'm, I'm not blind on what I look like. But I think fat shaming, like any shaming, Causes a lot of. We talk about it on our other program, Fat to Fit, which mm. is a program following me. I think we do it about once a month, maybe twice a month if we have a busy month, and watching me as I lose weight. Yep. And I've talked about how um, even some of my own kids have suffered through fat shaming. One of them actually got close to being um, anorexic, maybe? Anorexic, yeah. Mm. Yeah, might. Yeah, I've got close family members who've had that problem also. Anyway, uh, so, the time so, is well, up. Well, but uh, so the time I, is up. I, I haven't finished. Oh. <laughs> I, I would say again, don't shame yourself by accusing people of that sort of thing. Yeah. It, I can hack it. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, me either. But there are people out there that bothers, and it matters how people feel. They're sensitive. Their, their souls are tender. Be careful about what you say about people and what you and certainly don't judge mm. their Christianity, mm. their walk from Christ, what they look like. Final thing, hunting. Yes. God makes people tall and short. Some are wide and some are thin. It's one of the beauties of the human race. Yep. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Now, before before you kick back in, mate, I reckon we drop a song now and go to our next guest. No. We are behind. Doesn't matter. All right. We're having this song. Okay. Uh, don't you love it? <laughs> Who's the boss in here, man? <laughs> the headbreaker's got it on again. <laughs> the sweetest song I know from Amor Music. Uh, this is an African Adventist group. I put this in because it's why, hunty? It's, it's unique and it sounds great. Yeah. Let's yeah. listen to it. Sing he paid the price and Jesus bore it all. I've heard them sing, I'm coming home and heed the master's call. I've heard them sing the modern songs and songs of long ago. But amazing grace, so sweet the sound is the sweetest song I know. Amazing grace, so sweet the sound, oh how sweet is the sound, no sweeter sound, sweeter sound in this life could be found. Heard about the Savior's blood, white just white, white just snow, but amazing grace, so sweet the sound is the sweetest song I know. It was the song my mother sang in sweet and humble voice Like music from the world above, it made my soul rejoice Its soothing words and melodies let the rippling waters flow 
But amazing grace so great the song is the sweetest song I know Amazing grace so great the song Oh how sweet the song Sweetest song Sweetest song In this life could be found Heard about the Savior's blood Washed as white with white as snow But amazing grace so great the song Is the sweetest song I know Amazing grace, so sweet the sound of Oh, how sweet the Easter sound Sweeter song, sweeter song In this life could be found Heard about the Savior's blood Washed as white with white as snow But amazing grace, so sweet the sound Is the sweetest song I know But amazing grace, so sweet the sound Is the sweetest song I know Oh, the melodies and the harmony, just beautiful. Amazing. Harold, welcome to the program today. Let me see where's Harold. There he is. Yeah, we got him? Yep. You there, Harold? No. I can't hear him. Let's try again. How about now? I've got him now? Have you got me now? Yes, I have. Thank you. All right. Good to be with you. You've had COVID. You okay? I'm fine. I'm top of the world again. Fantastic. Uh, We're talking about a man by the name, and we've got to keep on time today. Hunty's warned me about this, so (laughs) excuse me if we rip through this story, mate. His name is Balf. See if I can get it right. Balthasar Hubmeyer. Balthasar. Hubmeyer is the surname. So how would you say it? Balthasar Hubmeyer. Yeah, Balthasar. Great guy. I love this when you sent it through to me. Uh, when was Balthasar born? He was born in the 15th century, about 1480. Was he well educated? Yes. He uh, was born in Bavaria and he went to a Latin school at Augsburg and then, like most of these reformers, he went to the university. So when you say he's born in Bavaria, that's a part of Germany, isn't it? That's Germany today, yes, southern Germany. What stopped his education and what did he do? Well, like many students, he ran out of money. Mm. And lack of money, he said, I've got to leave. And so he went to be a teacher for some time. Actually, uh, it's still happening today. Students running out of money. This is not unusual. Happening for hundreds of years. So if you're a student out there and you're running out of money, well, you're in good stead. Uh, When he returned to his education in 1507, what did he achieve? Well, he went back to university, and, you know, in four years, he gets both his bachelor's degree and his master's degree. Wow. He must have been a great student. And then he goes on to receive a doctorate. Who was that under? Well, he then went to the University of Ingolstadt and Johannes Eck, who was the great uh, antagonist of Martin Luther, uh, he studied under him there and got his doctorate in 1512. So he's actually studying over probably the most preeminent Catholic theologian, not just of his time, but perhaps one of the, the greatest Catholic theologians in history. Yeah, and this was a great Catholic university too. Okay. Uh, what did he gain? What did he gain a reputation of as he served? Well, he became the vice rector of the university there, 
and he was known to be a great preacher. It's amazing how many of these Protestant reformers were fiery, great preachers, and this guy's another one. Um, Tell us about some of the men he began to come in contact with. Because the reason I ask this question, Harold, is you can kind of see God pushing this guy in a certain direction and moulding him. For sure. And he met Erasmus. Now, Erasmus was the great guy who translated the Bible into Latin from the original, and he also got to know a teacher from the Anabaptist, Conrad Greville. And so here he is getting influenced by those who are Anabaptist, Protestant, and a great philosopher in Erasmus. Fantastic. Uh, now, he comes into contact with Ulrich Zwingli, the great Swiss reformer. Did he have any influence on him? He sure did. He met with him the next year in Zurich. That's where Z- uh, Zwingli was. And uh, he started, uh, they had, Z- Zwingli had a, a group that started to study. And Balthauser, he joined that group. Did Zwingli have an influence on him? He sure did because the big influence was baptism and uh, Zwingli agreed infant baptism would have to go. Which was a big thing back then. It was a big thing. Because if you weren't baptised as an infant, uh, back then the Catholic Church would be preaching and teaching that you're not saved. That's right. Okay, he moves. Did he? When he moved, did he? Did he continue to preach and teach this? And was he moving his his church and his new? Well, where did he move first? And what did he preach and teach? Well, he moved across into Austria, which wasn't that far away. Yep. And there in that church, he moves it to the New Testament, and uh, so he's known now. I would almost say he's a Protestant, almost. So he's he's drifting from. Catholicism to Protestantism, what major rule did he break and what were the consequences? Well, you know, the priest has to give out the Mass. He has that power. And this time he says, we're not having Mass. And when we have the Lord's Supper, I'll give the cup to everyone, whereas in the Catholic Church, the priest drank it. Okay, wow. What did he write? Well, he decided he would write and listen to this. Here's the title of his book or his track, Heretics and Those Who Burn Them. So he's, he's actually becoming a hardline Protestant now, and I'll use that word carefully. That's for sure. So he goes and gets married, similar to Martin Luther. Tell us about yep. that. Well, he marries uh, a woman by the name of Elizabeth. who came from now, and she was a great and faithful wife who was very courageous, just like him. She was. In fact, behind every good man is a good woman, they say. What significant event occurred in 1525? Well, uh, the Anabaptist guy was driven out of Zurich, and uh, he then uh, joined with this guy, um, Balthauser. He met Hugmeier. So is it fair to say now Balthauser, I hope I'm getting that yeah. right, he, he's a Protestant Anabaptist, which is a huge shift. Well, this guy baptises him. You know, he'd been a Catholic priest, but now he's fully a baptised Protestant person. Baptise him with a whole lot of other people too. It's a pretty big baptism, is that right? That's right. 60 other people in that baptism. Is that why he fled to Austria? Yes, because... The Prince Ferdinand was now opposed to that. He was a staunch Catholic, and he had to flee 
and uh, escape. So he's in trouble now just about everywhere he's going. He's in trouble not only with the Catholic Church, he's in trouble with some of the Protestant churches of the time. Is that correct? That's true. Because he becomes an Anabaptist, and they're pretty much scorned and persecuted by everybody. That's right. And And Zwingli couldn't stand the hardline Anabaptist either. No, no, it's it's quite amazing. Yet, well, I look at our movement, the Adventist movement. We probably have our roots in the Anabaptists more than any other group. Yeah, that's right. Um, so he flees to Austria. Who arrested him? Well, he goes to Austria, and Zwingli has him arrested. Which I think is disappointing. That's disappointing. What what one of the uh, um one of the most disappointing things. Um, but he sets up a, a dis, what, what would you call it? A confrontation, a theological confrontation with Zwingli. Who won that confrontation? Zwingli allowed him to do it. So they're arguing publicly. Who wins it? Well, uh, he talks with and tries to show that the children should be instructed before baptism. Zwingli then said, I've been misunderstood and he was seen as the winner of this disputation. Not necessarily the case, historical fact, though. It's sometimes the winners, the victors write the history. Um, So where does he go now? He was arrested. He has this dispute. He kind of relents under the pressure and recants himself. Is that right? Right. He says at first, I can and I will not recant, but in prison... He's put on the rack, yeah. and he's tortured until he will give his his uh, recantation. So he recants under torture. He is released. They don't murder him, which is a miracle in itself. It is. Uh, where did he go, and what did he, he write? Moravia, another part of southern Germany. And did he did he recant his recanting? Well, he said, "I'm a er. I'm just a man, but a heretic I cannot be." Oh, God, pardon my weakness. So he was sorry that he recanted on baptism and some of these cool. other issues. He's arrested in 1527 and got just over a minute left, Harold. What happens to him? And th- this is sad, but it's glorious. Well, he's put him in prison again. The prince has got him. They put him in a big castle. And again, he's tortured on the rack. Can you imagine being stretched out and tried for heresy and he's convicted? So what happens? Well, they bur- they take him to the city square and they burn him at the stake. Now, his wife was there. What did she say to him? Well, she says, remain faithful to God. What a great wife she was. Must have been very traumatising for her to have to watch her husband martyred for his faith. But she didn't last much longer. What did they do to her? Three days later, they get her. They tie a big stone around her neck and toss her in the Danube River. How, and she how many days later? Three days. She didn't last much longer then? No, she didn't. Kind of they put those rock. They used to do this at the Anabaptists. They'd put a rock around their necks or, or tie them on a stake in the water. They'd say, you want to be baptised? We'll baptise you. And well, they'd, they'd drown them. Hey, what do you learn? What did you learn from the tremendous... Look, I never heard of this guy. What did you learn from the tremendous witness and faith of this man? Well, I reckon this guy, Hubmeyer, he was one who, he was willing to, and under torture, he's still true to his God. 
Fantastic story, Harold. I'm glad you're okay. Glad you're recovered. I hope we see you again with some more wonderful stories of the Middle Ages and faithful men and women for Jesus. Thanks. God bless. Bye. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You are my all in all. You know what, Hunty? Yeah. This song, You Are My All in All by Gaither Vocal Band. Yep. I chose that because you don't do what this man did, what this great reformer did, unless Jesus is totally consuming you. And you might be out in your car listening to me and Harold as we tell this, Harold and me, let's get the English right, (laughs) as we tell this story. Let me tell you, and you might be saying to yourself, I could never do that. Yes, you can. You can be just as brave. And you might be called to be in these last days. You can be just as faithful and you can be just as loyal to Jesus and the truth if Jesus, hunty, and this is the Gaither Vocal Band, if Jesus is your all in all.
that song because nice. it's talking about Jesus who is and this is the only way with Jesus to go our all in all mm. hunty yes. we didn't we did not announce the big announcements we had just before the bible study so I got to do it real fast now yes number 1 yes uh, this weekend, I will be, and Hunty will be there too, yep. in Tari yep. for four programs. Where are we in Tari? We're just on the just on the outskirts of Tari, off just off Buckets Way. Can you get the address before we end this program? Of course. So we can let people know. It's going to be four programs, Friday night at 7 and then Saturday at 10, 11 and 2. And if you want to meet me, if you want to meet Hunty, if you want to meet Hunty, if you want to meet me, struggling with the English today, brother. <laughs> Come along, and Hunty's going to have. He's going to get the address for us somewhere. somewhere I will. Out. I will. I get the address. Hey, before we go any further, can you hold up your water bottle? Because one of our listeners is also a viewer. Thinks you're drinking Coke, but in actual fact, down, 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 it's just pure water. There you go. There you go. I knew I someone you, I would thought you'd like that. that. Would it help if I told them that I got that out of the waste basket here, disinfected it, because I don't know who drank it, and put my water in it, because all my water bottles are in the car. So <laughs> no, it. I am not drinking Coca-Cola. That's it. No, I, I, I like Coca-Cola, <laughs> yeah. but I don't drink it. That's right. I don't drink it. I'm on water. That's right. Just pure, precious Water. And the other one, July 8th yes. at New Hope Church. Give us the address there, Hunter. Ah, uh, yes, we are at 4 Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, behind the Aldi. Faith FM, a great big Faith FM day. We're going to talk about that next week a lot more. But this Friday and Saturday nights, we're in Tari. Listen, if you're in Tari, I know Faith FM goes to Tari. Right. Come along. We're, visit in the, us. we're in the Bush School, the, the SDA Bush School. Just. Hunty's going to get the address. He's going to get the exact address. So hold on. This is a testimony. Tioni. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get the address. I first. will. I will. This is a this is a testimony again of a young man who was a Mormon, who and God bless them, they're fine people, but they don't follow the Jesus of the Bible of Christianity. In other words. They don't follow the Jesus who is God, the Messiah, who is God, let me say that, Hunty, again, mm. who is God, the Messiah of the world. And this young man, his testimony, the first testimony Hunty loved, this one I love, Micah Wilder, it's how he came to Jesus. Oh, hold on to your seats. This is a rip, is. ripper of a testimony. Here we go. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, we are grateful to be here. We're Adams Road, and we are from Florida, so we are a long way from home. We're from the other coast. And uh, as a ministry, we've been touring the country for about six years, and this is actually our first time in the state of California. So we praise God. Um, yeah. 
And we have received a very warm welcome from the body here, so we appreciate it. Uh, my name is Micah, and uh, I am privileged and honored to be able to share uh, what God has done in my life and how he transformed me uh, from a very religious man to a trophy of his grace. Um, I grew up in the state of Indiana in a very strong and faithful Mormon home where I was taught that it was in and through my works and in and through my religious acts that I could make myself right with God. Uh, Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 10, he says that they had a zeal for God, referring to the Jews, but not according to knowledge, and that they were ignorant of the righteousness of God, and that they sought to establish their own. And that described me as a young Mormon man, as I did not believe that God gave me his love freely, and I did not believe that I was saved by grace as a free gift. I believed that I had to earn my way into God's love and prove myself to God and show him that I was worthy enough to be saved. And I was very much like Saul before he became Paul. I was a very zealous, religious young man. In Galatians, Paul says that he was advancing in Judaism beyond many people his own age. How extremely zealous was he for the traditions of his fathers? And that was very much the type of young man that I was. Uh, when I was a teenager, we actually picked up and left the state of Indiana and moved right to the heart of Mormonism to Alpine, Utah, uh, which is a city that is no exaggeration, about 99% uh, Mormon. And uh, my mom was actually a professor at Brigham Young University. If you guys are familiar with BYU, uh, it's a private Mormon school in Utah. And it just kind of goes to show the type of zeal that our family had for this religion. So I graduated from high school and I went to a semester at BYU. And when I turned 19, I did what's customary in the Mormon church. And that's to go on a two-year mission trip. Raise your, have you guys seen the Mormon missionaries? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Okay, white shirts, name tags, ties. Okay, I'm sure you've seen them riding their bicycles and they might have even knocked on your doors and you might have even spoken with them. Well, that's tradition in the Mormon church because you want to go out and convert people because we were taught from the time that we were children that there was no salvation outside of the Mormon church. And the only way to be saved was in and through the religious acts and works and ordinances that were provided through that particular religion. We were not taught in the, the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. And so uh, when I was 19, as you can see, that I went into the Missionary Training Center in Provo, Utah, and went on my two-year mission trip. And I actually got sent to Orlando, Florida. And what you may or may not know is that Orlando is a very evangelical and Bible-based area. And I didn't understand this at the time, so I was a little naive as a young Mormon missionary, but I was convinced that I was just going to get to Orlando and convert everybody that I saw and be the greatest missionary ever. And so I got there, and I was being very zealous and, and trying to convert people into my faith and riding my bicycle and knocking on doors. And I'd been there for a few months, and I got a little, you know, what you might say, overzealous in my attempt to convert others because I actually attempted to convert a Baptist minister and his whole congregation to the Mormon church, um, which I was unsuccessful in, by the way. Um, but it did open an opportunity for God to begin an amazing work in my life. And as I sat down with this Baptist minister to share with him the Mormon gospel, uh, it opened up an opportunity for God to speak through this man and to share the true gospel with me for the first time in my life. And that's what happened as I sat down with this Baptist minister. As after presenting the Mormon gospel and telling him that there were works and ordinances and commandments that had to be followed in order to be made right with God, this, this pastor's response was that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the only way to be made right with God is through Jesus Christ and through the blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. And like it says in Titus chapter 3, that when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us 
not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. And this was the love of God that I did not know, but it was a love of God that I always wanted. But my God only loved me as far as I proved myself to him. But like it says in Romans 5, that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, that Christ Jesus died for us. That that was the good news, is that even though we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And that's the good news, that Jesus Christ paid the price. He paid the debt that I owed as a sinner. And he made a way for me to be made right with God and that I could have peace with God by the blood of his cross. And when he shared this with me, he also uh, shared Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one could boast. And uh, I did not understand the grace of God as a religious young man. And this pastor, for the first time, told me that salvation was a free gift. Jesus Christ had paid the price for me on the cross, and all he was asking with open arms was for me to lay my religiosity and my works and my sin at the foot of the cross and allow him to take it. And that he had done the one work, the one act of righteousness that could bring justification and life to all men. And my response to this pastor was to completely and totally reject the gospel. Because I was a religious man and I was a Saul and I did not know the power of the message of the cross. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of, cross is, of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And to me at that point in my life, it was foolishness. And so I ended up arguing with this Baptist minister and contending uh, for my faith, which was a faith of works. And uh, we ended up kind of getting into this confrontation. And as I was leaving his office, I was extremely frustrated and even angry. This pastor stopped me and he said, Elder Wilder, I challenge you to go home and to read the Bible as a child. And I promise you that if you will do that, that God will change your life and he will open your eyes and show you for the first time in your life what the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ really is. And so that uh, seed that was planted in my heart as a young Mormon missionary of 19 years old uh, started to change my life because I took that Baptist minister's challenge and I started to read the Word of God as a child for the first time in my life. And I started to pour over the pages of the New Testament. And every day that I did, God washed me with the water of that Word and He consumed me with this amazing love that I did not know that my religion could ever offer me. And he unveiled to me his grace in a way that I had never before seen. In uh, the book of Romans chapter 8, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then Paul goes on to say that I'm sure that nothing else in all creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this was a love that I did not know, this love, like it says in 1 John, that was manifest in Jesus Christ and that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so as a Mormon missionary, for about 18 straight months, I read the New Testament and God slowly changed my heart. It was not, you know, any epiphany that happened overnight. It was it certainly wasn't one verse or chapter or even one book. It was 18 months of pouring over the Word of God and God slowly transforming me and showing me 
what Jesus Christ had done. And like it says in the book of Colossians chapter 2, that Jesus Christ canceled the record of debt that stood against me with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus paid the price, and all I had to do was accept him by faith. And uh, Ephesians 1.7 says that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And I came to understand the cleansing and amazing power of the blood of Jesus Christ and how that cleansed me of my sins and brought forgiveness to me for the first time in my life. And it wasn't because of who I was or what I had done for God. It's because of who he was, what he did for me in sending Jesus to be the sacrificial offering for my sins, to be my substitute on the cross, and to satisfy the demands of God's law that stood against me. And he took it for me, and the work was done. And all my religious works were like filthy rags to God because I was not accepting Jesus Christ alone by faith. And so I got to the point with only three weeks left of my two-year mission trip for the Mormon church, and I actually became a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. All praise and glory and honor to God. Because I can tell you, I was not looking to walk away from my religion. But God pursued my heart relentlessly until I just had to give up. (laughs) Because I was so broken in my sin and realized that Jesus was the only thing that could heal me of my sin. And so I now found myself in a very difficult predicament. Because I'm a born-again Christian and a Mormon missionary. And it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Um... Like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And I was a new creation, and I had tra- changed, and I could not hide that. And I remember just praying to God, saying, well, what am I supposed to do now? You know, who do I tell? How do I come forward with this to my family and my friends and my religion? And uh, God opened a door for me, and it was in a very terrifying and unimaginable way. And that was in a mission system about three weeks before you go home from your two-year mission trip. You have this opportunity where you're supposed to stand in front of your missionary peers and your leadership and share your testimony of what you've learned during the course of your two-year mission trip. (laughs) Everybody always knows where this is going. And so I remember it was my turn to get up and share what my testimony was. And I remember standing at the pulpit in this Mormon chapel and just trembling in fear. Um, But Paul says in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And by the power of God and by his grace, I was able to share a very simple testimony. Um, Joseph, sitting back here to my left, was one of the Mormon missionaries who was sitting in the audience at the time that I shared this testimony. So you might be able to guess what happened to him. Uh, Praise God. And so I got up there and my testimony was simply that the one thing that I had come to know over the course of my two-year mission trip was that Jesus Christ was all that I needed. That his blood and his grace were sufficient for my eternal life. And that I knew for the first time in my life that I was saved, not because of my works, but because of the free gift of grace that he was offering me. And um, when I shared that, there was a very awkward hush over the audience. (laughs) And um, two days after I publicly shared that testimony, I received a phone call from my Mormon leadership. And they said that they wanted to have a chat with me. (laughs) And I very quickly realized why they wanted to uh, sit down and talk with me. And I can, of course, laugh and smile about it now, but this was probably the single most terrifying moment of my entire life. 
uh, and as you know things about religion and about the world, that they can have a hold on you. And this is who I was. My mom was a tenured professor at BYU. My dad was a high priest of Mormonism. I had two older brothers that were both, you know, returned Mormon missionaries. I had a girlfriend who was Mormon. I had a scholarship to BYU. I mean, this was my life. This was everything that I was and wanted to be. And God had called me out of that and into a relationship with Him. But Jesus says that what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? And even though Mormonism had the whole world to offer me, I knew that I did not have salvational security through my religion. I could only have that through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, before I had to go into this meeting, I remember just you know pleading with God to give me strength and grace and help. And I was reading the Bible, and I somehow, by the grace of God, was led to the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 29. And it's a Jesus responding to the Apostle Peter, and he says that anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. And that was the word of God that he laid on my heart, and I realized so quickly that if I lost everything in the world for the sake of gaining Christ, that it was worth the cost because I was gaining something that far surpassed anything that the world or my religion could offer, and that was a relationship with my Lord and my Savior, my God. And so, um, like Jesus says in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And Jesus Christ has satisfied me and quenched my thirst in a way that nothing else in the world could. And when Jesus was with the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never be thirsty. And I have found that I am not thirsty anymore because I have Jesus and he's all that I need. And so I went into this meeting and sat face to face with my Mormon leadership and uh, God just put words in my mouth and I told them that I did not need the Mormon church or any religion or organization or man or prophet or anything to stand in between me and God the Father. But like Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who offered himself as the ransom for all. And I knew that he had bought me and paid for my salvation with his blood and I was his. And uh, when I shared that witness to him, uh, he told me that I was filled with the spirit of the devil, uh, that I was being deceived by Satan. Uh, they threatened me with excommunication, uh, referred to me as an antichrist. And uh, the worst insult he gave me, and this is true, by the way, is he said I sounded like a Baptist. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know what that means. And so at that point, of course, I was kicked off my Mormon mission. That was the inevitable result. So I had to go back uh, to Utah and face my family. Um, my girlfriend, who was at Brigham Young University over the course of my two-year mission trip, uh, she and I had been corresponding through letters, and I was sharing the gospel with her as I was coming to know it by reading the Word of God. And God led her on an amazing journey, and she also came to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so she is now my wife, and we have three wonderful and amazing little boys uh, for whom I praise God. And so I got home and then had my family to face. Uh, Matt over here at the piano is actually one of my older brothers. <laughs> so you might be able to guess what happened to him. 
And uh, it was at that point that I just very simply and with as much love as I could have just shared with them the simple gospel and invited them to read the Bible as a child and allow God to do a work in his life as he had done in mine. And I praise the Lord uh, because that seed was planted and there were many people that watered it, but it was God and God alone in his time that did the growth in the lives of my family members. And to this day, uh, both my brother and my sister, as well as my parents, have all come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so my mom and dad uh, are actually here tonight, that's them, and uh, God has done an amazing thing in their lives. And my mother, the former BYU professor, is actually here tonight, and she's going to come up and share a word. And so if you guys can just praise God and welcome her. Hunty, we're going to try and get his mother's testimony next week. Yeah, beautiful testimony. Thank you for joining us today. Hunty, Yes, we're going to be in Taree we this weekend. This weekend. That's right. Friday this night. This Friday night yep. and 7 o'clock. And then Saturday, 
10, 11, and one. We got a fantastic series. I'm actually going to where my daughter and family live right now, some of them, Hunty. Nice. So this is a big weekend for me. Hey, where is it? Okay, so it is just on the outskirts of Tari, corner of Uray Road and the Bucket's Way to Noni. It's the Adventist School, nicknamed the Bush School or Manning Adventist School. See you there Friday night, 7 o'clock. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for being with us today. Bless our listeners and our viewers. May they have the experience of Jesus that we heard in the testimonies and the stories on this program. Today is my prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty. I'm the man in black. I'm the techie. And we love you. But... but- Jesus loves you so, so much, much more. more. We will see you guys next time. Bye bye. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv.